Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So it's in Luke 18, if you want to follow along. I'll read from verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, um, just to remind you, Nick preached a a really awesome word last week, um, which which I want to to remind you that that parables are told to provoke people. Um, That's what what he reminded us. Um, and this parable, um, if you read on verse, verse 9, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Yeah. And that's quite close to home for me, really, because I'm that person. Yeah. And it's not something that I've struggled with just once in my life. It's something I have done Again and again and again. We all have those weak points. All have those things that we encounter in our hearts. And this is one of mine. So I hope as I, as I talk to you about this that you will be gracious to me and will look closely at yourselves as well because I know this is something that I need to work on because this parable is to provoke me. Um, so we're in a series about pictures of the kingdom and so before we go into, into more detail about the actual parable I just want to remind you about what the kingdom of God is um, I listened to an excellent lecture recently um, by Andrew Fellows who talks about the kingdom of God and he, ge- he uses this definition he says the kingdom of heaven is a supernatural community of persons who have bowed in their hearts to Christ and his total lordship over all of life. And he picks up each sort of idea in that definition and unpacks it. Um, And the one that I want to really look at today is the idea of the heart. Um, Nick spoke a bit about the heart last week, about the parable of the sower, but the heart is where everything happens. And people of the kingdom are people whose hearts have bowed to Christ. 
It's really important that our hearts are surrendered to him, have bowed to him, Christ being the king of our hearts. Um, the kingdom is something very sort of, it's hard to grasp sometimes, but it's, and it's not really visible to us. It's, it's, it's not necessarily this group of people sitting here either. It's bigger than us. It can include some of us. Um, hopefully it includes all of us. But as, as, you, as you will see from this parable, the kingdom of God is, is a tricky thing because it includes, it, it's about our hearts being bowed to Christ. And the kingdom of God is a very important thing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and, its, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that's in Matthew 6. Um, and so that, that means that the kingdom has to be the thing that we look at first, the thing that we look for first, the thing that we are aware of first. And really all that's about is about being mindful that Jesus is ruling in our hearts such that his love for, for us and for others is primary. The other thing about the kingdom is that um, there are two kingdoms. And um, Gary and I have been enjoying this series at the moment, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, maybe, maybe that shows that we're, we're a bit geeky, geeky but um, I was reminded of this particular uh, incident in the series. You've got the, the little girl, she's, she's the princess, and her father is the ruler of that planet. He's, he's sort of king. Um, and he has put certain rules in place for her so that she will grow up one day to be the ruler of that place too. The rules are there that she can mature and grow to be responsible in her position as the leader in that space. But she's got a bit of a rebellious heart. And I think we all do a little bit. We rankle against rules. Um, and when, when she's, she's, she likes to go out and run and dis disobey her parents in this particular instance, and she goes out when they said that she shouldn't, she leaves the jurisdiction of her father's rule and runs into a space, and she encounters enemies there. And this, for me, is, is, is a bit of a picture of, of what the kingdoms are like. We live in the kingdom of God if our hearts are bowed before him. But we enter into the kingdom of this earth when we don't follow his rules. And in that kingdom, there are enemies. It's a dangerous place. The, the kingdom of the earth is ruled by Satan, and he's not a nice guy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not have your best interest at heart. So it's important that we remember that there are two kingdoms. So how does this parable relate to the kingdom of God? When Jesus is talking, he's talking about a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees in that day and age were the, usually the leaders in the temple. They knew the word. They usually followed the law to the letter, quite often more than that. Um, 
that when, when this Pharisee says he, he pays a tithe on all that he possesses, it's, it's over and above the tithe that would normally be paid. Over and above the tithe that's even asked for in the scriptures. So he's, he's saying, I do this and more. He says, I fast twice a week. You know, Not, a, not just once, I fast twice a week. And so he's, he's following the law. But the thing about the Pharisees is they were followers of the law, but their hearts were not bowed. Um, and Jesus talks about Pharisees in the next, next um, passage. It says, um, in Matthew 23, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven to, in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying to. Their hearts are not bowed to Christ. They don't have love in their hearts for others. They follow the law because they think they can be, do it themselves. It's self-righteousness. They, they are not aware of their need for a savior. And when I was talking about um, the whole idea of self-righteousness, is Gary gave me a, a, an interesting picture of how when the sun shines fully on the moon, we can see the full moon. When the earth moves between the sun and the moon, the, the moon starts to fade away. And I think this is a little bit like um, what the Pharisees do in terms of preventing others from getting into the kingdom. They get in the way. Because nobody likes to hang out with somebody who's sanctimonious. Nobody likes to be with somebody who's a hypocrite. Um, I'm, in, in my mind, the, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, when, when, when he prays that prayer, he's praying it in the voice of Gordon from, from Thomas the Tank Engine. You, 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 I don't know whether, you know, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a two-year-old, so, so I watch quite a lot of Thomas the Tank Engine, and Gordon is just like, oh, the indignity, you know, I have to pull fish trucks, oh my goodness, and it's just, he is, he is just so sanctimonious, and it's, it's irritating, nobody likes that. And if people think that church and the kingdom of God is full of those people, they don't want anything to do with it. The other thing is that they exalt themselves. Pride prevents us joining the community of the kingdom of God because it stops us bowing our hearts to Jesus. And pride is a very subtle thing. It just sneaks up and says, hmm, that was good. And you go, hmm, yes, it was. 
very subtle, very, very subtle, but it's very insidious as well. It, it makes you look away from what is good to what you've done. And it makes that look nice, even though it's never going to be as good as, as Jesus does it, you know? Um, and the interesting thing is that the Pharisee prays this prayer, but he doesn't pray it aloud. He says to God, thank you, Lord, that I am not an evildoer like these. And on the surface, you think, oh, it's a good thing that he's thanking God that he isn't something. But then, perhaps, by focusing on what he isn't, he's thinking about what he is. And actually, is he actually thanking God about that? Or is he saying, oh, God, look at me. Romans 10 talks about Israel. They say, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. That's exactly what the Pharisees are doing. They, thought, they sought to establish their own righteousness. But Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and, riches bless, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the Pharisees, they think, who will ascend to heaven? And by thinking, will I ascend to heaven? They belittle what Christ has done. And they, or, they, or do they say, who will descend into the deep? Who's going to perish in the fires of hell? And, that, and that's also not really what, what they should be thinking about. They should be looking at who Jesus is. And because they didn't look at who Jesus was, they didn't recognize who he was. And the Pharisees, when Jesus spoke to them, they were riled up. They wanted to kill him. So maybe let's, let's think about what righteousness is. Righteousness is only achieved in Christ, doing the right things the right way for the right reasons. Now the tax collector knew that he wasn't righteous. 
He knew that. <laughs> so let's, let's look at the next passage. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but, for the also, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is our sacrifice for sins. The tax collector was very aware that he was a sinner. And um, a little while ago, we did a, a series on hospitality, and, and, and I, I talked about um, why the tax collectors were so despised. They were considered traitors to Israel because they were working with the Roman um, uh, em uh, emperor who, who, had, who was um, occupying Israel at the time. So the, the Pharisees believed that in order for, for the kingdom of God to come in their, their idea of the um, restoration of Israel, um, that everybody in Israel had to be um, following the law perfectly. And that also meant that they shouldn't be um, working with the occupier. So the tax collectors are really seen as people who were um, undesirable. And, and I think being a tax collector was a bit of a between the rock and the hard place. It was, it was a good job. <laughs> it, it made you good money. But uh, it was with the, with the enemy. <laughs> So the tax collector, this tax collector, he knew he was a sinner. Everybody told him he was a sinner. But the difference was that in his heart he knew he was a sinner. And he knew he needed God's mercy. Do we let the scriptures challenge us to reveal our sin and lead us to repentance? Do we know that we're sinners? If the cross of Christ leaves you cold, check your heart. Because he took all of our sin, even though he was completely sinless, and he sacrificed everything. So we fall on our knees before the cross, and we bow before the Lord Jesus and make him king of our hearts. Romans 5 says this, from verse 8. But God, demonstrated, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we ha have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He's done away with that sin. It's gone. We don't have to wrestle with it anymore. But the thing about repentance is that it's an ongoing lifestyle of repentance. 
there's, there's a, a fallacy out there that once you've stuck your hands up for Jesus, you're fine. It doesn't quite work like that. And I've been a Christian a long time, um, and I still struggle with this sin, as I mentioned already. But if you look at... Um, um, these used to be new shoes. But we, um, we go through life, and stuff happens, and we encounter situations, and shoes get scuffed and dirty. And it's, it's the same idea that, that Jesus said to, to his disciples, I need to wash your feet. You know, if you've been bathed, you're clean, but you need to wash your feet. And it's this lifestyle of repentance. So it's, it's looking in one of these, saying, there's still sin, some sin in there. I can still see there's, there's, there's pride in this heart still. Lord Jesus, can you help me? And <laughs> I can remember a number of times in my life where I can look back and I can see the Pharisee. And I think, if only I'd seen the Pharisee sooner, I wouldn't have made some of those decisions. There was, a, there was a, a, an instance when I was in, in, in Sunday school where we, did, we entered a Bible quiz, and we won. And so the next year, we thought, we'd enter it again. And that year, I was very cocky. We'd won the last one, so of course I knew the Bible. Did we win again? No, we didn't. <laughs> of course we didn't. Because it wasn't about me looking at the word and going, what can I learn? It was about, oh, look how clever I was. So I made a bad decision then. I had assumed I was clever, and I didn't look. When I was a bit older, um, I uh, didn't have very many friends. And looking back now, it was because I thought everybody else was silly. They did stupid things. I was much smarter than them. Nah. Who would want to be a friend with me? <laughs> I had to learn that I needed to be a friend, that I needed to be humble to be a friend. Later on, um, I went to a church, and I thought, oh, these people don't do church right. If I was preaching, I would do that this way. Little did I know that I would be preaching, and I'd be going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is harder than it looks. Um, and again, there, I made some mistakes. I offended some people. I said things I shouldn't say. Just last week, <laughs> I said, oh, you shouldn't do it like that. I would do it this way. And I thought afterwards, Lord, forgive me. I should have just kept my mouth shut. That was not an encouraging thing to say. And that's that Pharisee in me. Still there. Go away. Maybe I need a new pair of shoes. But the Lord is so gracious to us. So gracious. The scripture says that, that um, the Holy Spirit reminds us about righteousness and judgment. And those two things, they're quite heavy things. But in a sense... It's the same as a father who, who puts, puts things in place for um, their, their children in order that they grow. 
Now, I'm, I'm having to discipline John a little bit because he's starting to get to that age where he's pushing boundaries. And it's very difficult to discipline a little boy. I find it tough. And so I, I can't imagine how hard it is for the Lord to, to look down and say, you're making a mess. <laughs> Why don't you just listen to me? <laughs> just listen to me. That's the thing I say the most at the moment. Why are you listening to mommy? I would love it. Obedience is one thing. And I would really like it if he would listen to me and obey me. But I want more than just obedience from my boy. I want him to have a good heart. I want him to grow into a responsible, responsible adult who will make good decisions, who will be righteous, who will do the right things in the right way for the right reasons. And I think that's God's heart for us as well. He looks at us and says, are you listening to me? Why did you do that? Are you listening to me? And the Pharisees, they were doing the right things. But they weren't doing it the right way, and they weren't doing it for the right reasons, because they weren't listening to him. Because if they were listening to him, they would recognize Jesus and see who Jesus was. And it's the same for us. If we're listening to him, if we're listening to him, then we're reconciled to him and we're walking with him. And even though we sin, Paul says, oh, what a wretched man am I. I, I want to do the right thing, but then there's something else that's working with me and I do the thing that I don't want to do. And that's the sinful nature working in us. But then he says, oh, thank you for Christ. He is the one who makes it all right. So Matthew 18 says this. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said to him, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's Father's Day today. Be a little, little child. Crawl onto his knee and listen to him because he's got lots to tell you. And it's not just about the things you've messed up on but about the things he's put inside each of you. And as children, we know that the Father's authority stands. One, he's bigger than us. <laughs> just, just simply, he's bigger than us. He knows better than us. And that is humility, knowing that we are little, that our own importance is not much. <laughs> so let's take a moment to reflect. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to be quiet for a minute or two and let you just talk to God. Tell him the things you've done that ah, you've messed it up. 
You've sinned. Talk to him. Now, if you're able, if you'd like to um, stand or kneel, um, I'm going to read a psalm that uh, David wrote after he um, was confronted by Nathan about the sin he had committed with Bathsheba. And it really is just a, it's a prayer for God's mercy. Um, and I'll just, just, I'll close with this. But um, if you would just stand with me, um, or kneel if you'd like. You read Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart you, do not, you, God, do not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took our sins. That we can stand before you justified. (laughs) Not because we've done anything that deserves it, but because you loved us. And your love is just so lavish. And Lord, you say in your word that even though um, discipline is unpleasant... (laughs) but it's because the Father loves the Son that you discipline us. And it's unpleasant for the moment, but brings forth a harvest of righteousness. And we trust you, Lord Jesus, that as you work in our hearts, as we bow them before you and make you king in our hearts, that you will lead us in righteousness. You will enable us by your Spirit to do the right things in the right way at the, um, for the right reasons. Thank you, Father for your mercy. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.